Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Passion drive and patience what brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive ebay motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers roof racks exhaust kits led headlights and more whether you're into speed power or style ebay motors has got you covered with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die you'll always find exactly what you're looking for And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, TEND is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. You're listening to STAT, the only show beyond the diamond solely dedicated to keeping the game's heartbeat alive. All right, welcome back to episode two of STAT, the only podcast dedicated to keeping the game's heartbeat alive. Uh, Today I'm joined by a man who's certainly dedicated to keeping his finger on the pulse of the game, especially as it relates to uh, international baseball, Sean Spradling. Sean, how you doing, man? I'm doing well, Liam. It's uh, it's nice to be on again. Uh, so this is only episode two, huh? Yeah, you're the second guest. Last week we had Johnny Gomes on, so tough act to follow, but I have confidence. What an honor. I don't know if I'm going to follow that up, but I'll do my best. <laughs> All right, Sean. So uh, enlighten me a little bit before we get started here. What attracted you so much to um, like covering the WBC and baseball internationally? Yeah, um, so long story short, last year... 2022 when they announced i think it was probably june or july when they when mlb announced that they were going to be holding the wbc this year um i was super excited because the last one was a huge hit like everybody was super hyped for it in 2017 the us won and uh i mean everybody had such a great time but it had been so long since the last wbc obviously 2020 got delayed and everything so got pushed back a couple of years. And I, when they announced it, I like started doing some research online. Like, Oh, I wonder what the teams are going to look like. What rosters might shape up to be who's involved. I could not find a single thing on the WBC at that time. 
There was no one talking about it. No players had mentioned anything. No coaches had said anything. Um, the only thing I could find was that it was going to be happening in 2023 and that there would be qualifiers at the end of 2022. So I kind of just took it upon myself to, I guess, more or less just do some deep dives and reach out to some federations, reach out to some like coaches and players, whoever would respond just like, Hey, are like, what, what's this look like? Do you think you'll, you, you'll be participating? Um, and got some good feedback and eventually made like, I'm, I made some like graphics of like the, the team's, and everybody that had committed to play in the WBC. Because a lot of the players that had committed to play early were like the Dominican players or the Puerto Ricans or the Venezuelans who just didn't speak English. And so they would go home and talk to their home reporters that they would be playing, but there was nothing in English. So I sort of became the first like English speaking reporter on Twitter that uh, shared that news from those like Dominican reporters and Venezuelan reporters that these players would be playing. So I made those graphics with like the rosters. And from there, it just, everybody was super excited. Um, the, obviously the WBC was a massive hit. It was the best one we've ever had. And um, it was, it was a blast. Let's talk, let's talk about that WBC, Sean, cause you couldn't have picked like a better year to start covering. This, yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. what do you think? Just what do you think of the tournament in general, how it's evolved from its uh, initial inception and especially the impact it had this year? And why do you think uh, it will we'll stop? I'll stop there. I'll let you yeah. answer that first. No, for sure. Yeah, no, that's I mean, it was it was everything we could have ever hoped and dreamed for it to be and more. Like last year when they announced it, I knew it was going to be a ton of fun. So I just really wanted to have a community to talk with about it. No one was really talking about it. But by the time March came around, everybody was talking about it. And obviously, like everybody knows how it ended with the storybook Cinderella story, like ending that everyone dreamed about from a year before Otani versus Trout. Everybody knows how that ended, unfortunately for US fans, very fortunately for Japanese fans. But <laughs> Yeah, it. I think the WBC, what makes it so unique and why it was such a big hit is because it truly is baseball's version of uh, like a, a FIFA World Cup. It's the closest thing that we have to it. In the Olympics, which is interesting, we'll talk about that. You can have professional players play, but not major leaguers, only like minor leaguers and players off the 40-man roster. So this is the only time that we truly, as baseball fans, get to see the very best of the best around the entire world in every league all compete against each other for something much bigger than themselves. Like if you talk to so many of the players that played in the WBC, they'll tell you like, this means so much more to me because I'm wearing my flag. I'm wearing my country representing like my family and um, the, like the people that I grew up with where I'm from. It just, it, it was like this deeper level that we don't really ever get to see in baseball. So I think that's probably why it was such a big success. It always has been pretty big around the world outside of the US. Um, a lot of Latin America, East Asia, it's always been sort of like seen as the Baseball World Cup. But this was the first time that everybody bought in, including the Americans. That's why we got to see like Trout, Mookie, um, Bryce Harper was going to play initially. You got Kyle Tucker, like all of these like superstars playing on, on Team USA and seeing them get to play against guys like Otani and, and the best of the best from other countries was just an absolute blast.
it's a good point. We started seeing guys commit from different countries and then the dominoes kind of started to fall. And then it was just all these superstars um, for the first time in this tournament. I mean, it's obviously been packed with superstars before, but like, I feel like this year was such high caliber, like the best of the best. Oh, yeah. And that's like you said, that's why it was so popular this year. Let me ask you, Sean, in your opinion, besides uh, take the USA and Japan out of it, which team uh, was so surprised was the most surprising to you out of the WBC this year? Ooh, most surprising. That's a good question. I think, I think honestly, most surprising is probably going to be Australia. And the reason I say that is because if you looked at pool uh, B, I believe, yeah, it was pool B in the WBC. It was Japan, Korea, Australia, Czech Republic, and China. And anyone that you talked about at the time, everyone was betting on it being because two teams, only two teams came out of every pool. Everybody said Japan and Korea. And then the bottom two were going to be China and Czech Republic, which almost happened. But everybody had Australia as kind of that middle tier team. Like if, if they end up being in the bottom two, lose to one of those teams, it's a huge disappointment. If they beat one of the top two teams, it'd be a massive upset. And they ended up beating Korea and making it out of that pool. Um, which was the the greatest moment for Australian baseball, like national team in their history. Like they've they've never had an upset like that and made it that far in the WBC. So that was a massive moment. I would say Mexico was a surprise for a lot of people. But the reason why I didn't say them is because I wasn't very surprised by it. Leading up to the tournament, I mean, we saw that their roster was stacked. So even though they did make it all the way, almost like, I mean, they were an out away from making it to the final against the U.S. Um, I, I had a lot of confidence that they were going to make it far. Mexico is my pick, too. I just think they yeah. made so much noise, especially with a Rosa, a Rosa Arena leading the way. It was just crazy to watch. They were um, just so much fun. Yeah. So we met. Uh, we touched on the Olympics. Let's go back to that real quick. News broke recently that they're considering adding baseball to the Olympics for uh, in L.A. in 2028, I believe. Yeah. What do you think of that, Sean? Oh, I'm, I'm so excited. They had it in 2020. I guess it happened in 2021. But in, in Tokyo, the last Olympics, they did have baseball. They're not going to have it in 2024 next year in Paris. So I'm so excited that we have baseball back in the next Olympics. It's it's a very different kind of tournament tournament from the WBC. It used yeah, to be mentioned. Uh, sorry, not to cut you off. Yeah, you no, no. That you mentioned major leaguers can't play in the Olympics. That's why it's so different because this used to be like the top, I guess, top international competition from between national teams before the WBC happened, but we've never been able to see major leaguers playing it. So now that the WBC, we have the WBC, that's sort of like our baseball world cup, but the Olympics is still the Olympics. Like it's everybody from the, around the world is watching. Everybody wants to see their country do well in whatever sport it is. Even if you're not a baseball fan, like you want to watch your, your country do well in these in, in metal and whatever sport. So it's, it's going to be really exciting having it back. I think that, I mean, there they've like put it to a vote, but it's going to pass. Like we, we know it's going to happen. It's, it's America. Like they're going to have baseball in the Olympics. So it's going to be really fun fun because we're we, we're gonna see a lot of like probably prospects and minor leaguers and even like previous mlb stars that will play so, so for example like julio rodriguez he played for dominican republic back in 2021 um and you have a lot of i mean japan's always going to bring their the best of their best they always mm -hmm. send the all of the npb stars so they won't have like guys like otani or um like yoshinobu yamamoto or any of the guys that will be in mlb 
but they'll have all of their best players from NPB. So they're always going to dominate. US is the only ones that are, I guess, they, they have the biggest disadvantage because they have the most players in MLB of the countries. So, but it'll still be a ton of fun to watch. I can't wait. Let's shift gears real quick, Sean. You mentioned uh, Yoshinobu Yamamoto. What can you tell our audience about him? What can we expect from him in the <laughs> upcoming months, the next year? What, he, everyone's talking about this guy. What yeah, do we need about, to know? I was about to say, I feel like everybody already knows the name, thankfully. I feel like in past years with a lot of NPB stars, like it's there hasn't been much coverage. But now with the WBC and just I, I, honestly the Otani effect, like people are just so much more in tune now in the West to Japanese players and the Japanese league. So I feel like if you are on Twitter and you're like a baseball guy, you probably know the name Yoshinobu Yamamoto at this point. But he is everything that he's hyped up to be. Like he has won three straight um, Sawamura Awards, which is the equivalent to the Cy Young over in Japan. He just finished the season winning the pitching triple crown for the third straight season. Like he is ridiculous. He's the be he's been the best pitcher in Japan over Kodai Senga, over Roki Sasaki until this year. Um, but every year, he's been just unbelievably dominant. And he's finally coming over to the U.S. Uh, to play in MLB uh, this offseason. He'll be signing with the team, most likely. Um, so, yeah, everybody should be watching him and getting excited for him because he's, he's everything that he's hyped up to be. What teams do you think he could potentially sign with? And what kind of deal do you think he'd be looking at? Uh... I think, honestly, the teams that I have seen him link to most, and this is just from my observations. I don't have any like insider news or anything, but I, mm -hmm. I've seen him link to the Mets. I've seen him. I know Red Sox fans are really pushing for him. Really um, hard. Really yeah, hard. Yeah, real hard. And I think that probably those two teams, whenever I post about Yamamoto, those two fan bases are the fan bases that are like in my comments the most. So, Red Sox Twitter can be tough, man. It, it's brutal, but it's so much fun. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's always the chance that he goes or, or stays um, like Otani did on the uh, West Coast. Um, I haven't heard of any teams. I don't know if he's been linked to the Mariners or not, but it's just an easy flight from Japan. And there's just so much history behind like Japanese baseball and the West Coast. I mean, you have Ichiro in, in Seattle for his whole career. So um, a lot of uh, East Asian players, especially Japanese players, like to stay on the West Coast. So... Yeah, I don't know yet, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see him at a big market because he's going to command top dollar. More, he's going to have the largest contract of any Japanese pitcher ever until we have Otani sign, but he's not really just a pitcher. He's actually not going to be pitching right now. But yeah, Otani is the top dollar, but next up, right behind him, Yamamoto is going to be, he's going to be expensive. So he'll probably go to a big market team. Interesting. Okay. Uh, let's talk about Roki. I'm blanking on the last name. Help me out, Sean. Sasaki? Yes. Yeah, you just mentioned him. Yeah. When can we expect to see him over here? Yeah, so Roki Sasaki, he is the only guy that could dethrone Yoshinobu Yamamoto as like the greatest pitcher in Japan. He's, I think he's 21 still, something like that. He's throwing consistently over 100 miles per hour. He's got the nastiest stuff. He's Super, I mean, he's tall. He's, he's, I think, like 6'3", super lanky, still going to fill out his form. So he has so much potential moving forward. Um, but because of the posting system with Japanese baseball from NPB to MLB, 
he still has to wait a couple of years. You have to be at least 25 years old. And I think it's nine years of service time. It's either nine or 10 in your um, in the league that you start with, whether it's KBO, CPBL, NPB. So he's he won't be here, I don't think, until 2026, maybe 2027, unless he were to pull a Shohei Otani and come over earlier. But at that point, he would be doing what Otani did and taking that major pay cut um, where he can't go for like an international free agent. He would just be signing for like almost minimum. The thing that scares me about these international pitchers, Sean, and like you just alluded to, they're uh, like indebted to at least nine years of uh, service time with their original club. They have so many miles on their arms by the time they get over here. Like uh, Yamamoto's only 25, but he had, I don't know off the top of my head how many innings he has, but it has to be a lot for a 25 year old arm. Yeah. They, this, that, that's something that's pretty interesting about NPB is I think that they are still a little bit behind when it comes to uh, like pitch count management and inning management because you see a lot of their top guys in NPB go a lot longer than uh, coaches would let uh, managers would let players go in MLB. Um, And so, yeah, I I think that Yamamoto probably does have a lot of mileage on him. He is still really young and I did see them taking it a a lot easier on him this year. So that may be because he had expected to post be posted after the season. I'm I'm not really sure. Um, But I I don't think it's really going to affect him much because he, they, they took it, they took him pretty easy on him uh, this last year. Got it. So you, we're talking about the posting system. Let's talk about a player who's foregoing the posting system in Rintaro yeah. Sasaki. What can you tell us about him? I know the recent news broke uh, this past week about him potentially going to Vanderbilt. But what else can you tell us about this power hitter from yeah, Japan? This guy is ridiculous, man. He's six foot two fifty at 17 years old. <laughs> It's ridiculous. He's just like a bowling ball up there. But he is Rintaro Sasaki is truly like a generational power hitter for a high school player in Japan. No one. He has the high school record for most home runs ever hit 140 in his high school career, which is absurd. Ridiculous. I've never heard numbers like that in high school. Um, And yeah, he's he has decided officially to forego the NPB draft. He skipped the application process and had decided and announced that he'd be coming over to play in college in the US, which is totally unprecedented for someone of that uh, caliber and someone of that uh, that has that much hype. Like he is the consensus number one overall prospect in Japan, in all of high school in Japan. He was supposed to go number one overall in the NPB, NPB draft. He'll be coming over here to play in college. He has been linked to both Vandy and also Cal. Um, so not really sure where he's going to go yet. He hasn't said anything himself, but he is, I mean, he's legit. He's a first baseman. So I don't know how high in the draft he'll go. Like when we actually get to the draft, it's just not like a highly coveted position, but for a college bat, you're going to get the top of like top tier raw power. He has, he has unbelievable power. Do you think part of the reason, I mean, I mean, we're purely speculating here, but part of his decision to go to college, forego the uh, draft and go to college in the States was in order to get paid quicker, like a bigger amount quicker? Because I'm assuming it's probably not going to take him nine years to make it to the majors if everything works out for him, right? Yeah, I think at this pace, he would be draft eligible by 2027 because I think he'll be coming over in 2024 which means that he will have a much quicker uh, 
much quicker path to MLB than he would if he were to go through the posting system uh, like Japanese players normally do. I don't think it's a money thing necessarily unless unless he's thinking like, I guess, long term, but he's not going to get paid like he would, honestly, uh, if he were to go straight to NPB because they have a lot of money in NPB. Like he's going to he would be being paid as a professional athlete pretty quickly. And I feel like he'd be fast tracked through whatever minor league system um, or like farm system that they have for whatever team he'd be drafted to. I think it's I think it's an MLB thing. I think he probably just wants to play an MLB. I think if he wanted to come to MLB as fast as he could, he saw this as an opportunity to do that, to not have to wait. And um, and so that's that's probably his hope. He is kind of it, it's a pretty risky decision. This is totally unprecedented. We've never seen a, a player do this, of, like I said, of that caliber. If he makes it to MLB, that's huge. And he is going to make uh, plenty of money. Um, even even the uh, like just backups in MLB make plenty of money. I mean, come on. That's more than what I'm making. But yeah. <laughs> if he if he if he doesn't work out in MLB, it is going to be tough to figure out where his next step is in his path, like his career path, because it's highly discouraged to do this in Japan. He will not really be welcomed back into NPB if it doesn't pan out in MLB. So it's risky. He'll make a lot of money if if he does make it to MLB, but he seems to be able like I mean, he's he's ready to do it. So we'll see. That's a really good point, Sean. I wonder. So like they like MPB fans kind of look at it like almost like disrespectful to just uh, come over here and start playing. Yeah. I, I mean, wow. not only fans, but like the, like the league itself almost yeah, the league like blacklists them when they don't go through the draft system and go play for NPB. It's, it's pretty wild. Like their high school, his high school that he plays at will probably get fined for him not going through the and, and like through the NPB system. Uh, I know that they do that in Korea. The guy that signed with the Dodgers, his high school is getting fined and um, like suspended or uh, put on like probation for a couple of years. So it's like a massive deal when this happens. Wow. <laughs> I didn't know. I, I didn't know any of that happened. That's yeah. wild. So I just feel like that wouldn't happen over here. Like if someone, if a top high school prospect over here chose to go for whatever reason, play in the uh, MPB, like it wouldn't be, uh, it, no one yeah. would really think anything of it. Well, we actually would had that. be welcome back to MLB. Yeah, we, we had that happen. And I don't know if you remember in, I don't know if it was 2017 or so, Carter Stewart was drafted in the first round by the Braves. Yes, did end up going to NPB or, mm-hmm. or to Japan and, and is playing in NPB right now, doing really well. And he may eventually come back to MLB. So it is really interesting the differences in like the cultural differences between the two because it's highly discouraged to leave their system from high school. Now, if like for example, um, like uh, Masahiro Tanaka, he came to play in MLB for a long time, but then went mm-hmm. back. They they welcomed him with open arms. It's the fact that it's like a high school player that is going to not go to college in Japan or go straight to NPBs. He's having their whatever club that he'd be signing with it lose out on a lot of money. The league is going to lose out on a lot of money because they're not going to be able to develop him and I guess have him play in their league. So it's it's a pretty it's a pretty big loss for NPB um, when a player leaves before he's in the system. And the whole posting fee. Sorry, I. Yeah, you're good. The yeah. whole the whole posting process, 
like there's a big fee associated with the players. So by him not being posted, um, NPB is not going to get that money. So it's also a money thing. Right. It's interesting, too, because I was reading something earlier this week. You might have even been the one to tweet it, Sean. Forgive me if you were. But the international players are not subject to making a dollar in NIL money. Yeah, correct. Yeah, I did put that in one of my tweets. There's one caveat to that that I had some people uh, fill me in on. Red Sox Twitter. That <laughs> Probably Red Sox Twitter. <laughs> if, you, if you go back home, you can earn money back home. But there is, if you're an international player in college sports, in collegiate sports, you cannot earn a dollar of NAL money on American soil. And that's solely because of our immigration laws in the U.S. and they're on a student visa. They're not on a, on a work visa. So that money cannot be earned. That comp- they can't be compensated in that way on, on a student visa. Now, if they like, there's been athletes that have gone home and done deals there, but then then it's just under their own government, like their own homes government. So it still doesn't really have anything to do with NIL laws. It's more or less like they're going to go get sponsored from whatever companies back home, but they cannot have any sponsorships in the US. Got it. Sean, we talked about, uh, we'll call them the big three, I suppose. Are What other uh, free agents should we be keeping an eye out for this coming off season? Yeah. Um, I think another, I mean, those are the big ones. I mean, Yoshinobu Yamamoto, he's the big, he's the big, uh, ticket from Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, but from Korea, there's also a huge name, their best hitter in all of Korea. Um, his name's, uh, Lee Jung-hoo or Jung-hoo Lee. Um, when he comes over here, they switch the name, but, yep. um, he is, he's been the best hitter in, in Korea for a couple of years. He's, he was the best hitter for, Team Korea in the WBC as well, along with Hassan Kim. Um, but he's going to be coming over. He was hurt for the second half of this season, so we didn't get to see too much of him at the end of the year. But he will also be, I think he's a center fielder, and he's going to be um, hes going to be great. I, I love watching him hit. He's got one of the best eyes in baseball. Like He walks twice as much as he strikes out. He has hit over 320, I think, five straight years. Um, he's got some good sneaky pop. He's also really fast. So um, five-tool player, he's won the gold glove, I think, five years in a row. So he's going to be just a really well-rounded player um, that I think you can slot into whatever center field is open uh, in MLB and not have to worry too much about it. Um, I don't know if he's going to be a starter right away or if uh, because of the injury, maybe someone uh, signs him as more of a like like a backup or a, a fourth outfielder or what, but uh, he can play outfield. I mean, he can play center field, but he can also play corner uh, outfield pretty well. Mm-hmm. So gotcha. Wow. Okay, Sean, let me ask you something. Have you? I know you have your finger on the pulse of international baseball. Have you heard of an organization called Baseball United? I have. Yes, Are you I familiar with have. what they're doing. I am. Yeah, man. I uh, I'm so excited. I can't wait. Me too. Yeah. For those that don't know, Baseball United is an organization that's bringing an entire professional baseball league to the Middle East. Um, Sean, if you uh, you can say anything you want about them, if you know more. Um, yeah, yeah. I no, just this, think it's awesome. This is this is something that gets me really, really excited because I, since I've been covering baseball, haven't like we haven't had any. I mean, since we've been like old enough to watch baseball, we haven't had a whole entirely new league come from like the ground up especially in that region like there's never been a a baseball league in the middle east and uh, like 
India. So this is going to be a ton of fun. I actually did get the opportunity to talk with Cash about it, uh, the CEO uh, mm-hmm. of uh, Baseball United. He's awesome. And it's just like, I don't know. I feel like a lot of people may not be fully on board just because it's kind of a really obscure idea to bring baseball to a a place that doesn't seem like there are a lot of baseball players or fans. But the way that he's doing it with like the ownership group that he has, he has like Hall of Famers just littered throughout that ownership group. So he has plenty of backing. um, And I think it is going to be a huge success. I know that they're going to have that showcase uh, coming up pretty soon. Um, I'm excited for the draft too that they're going to be having. So it's going to be a ton of fun. Yeah, it's crazy. I believe I think they're starting with four franchises this year, and then they're expanding to eight in the next year or something like that. But it's just, I mean, bringing an entire league to a region that's never been exposed to professional baseball before. They're doing it right with the star-studded like lineup that they have. Um, like lined up for this draft but yeah i just was curious if you had known anything about them or not yeah the Um, player pool is going to be super interesting because mm -hmm. you're going to have not only like former mlb stars and like current mlb free agents um, yeah you're also going to have uh some prospects from that region from the middle east and from india so not only are we going to see like recognizable names from MLB and other leagues around the world, but we're also going to be able to see the start of the development of these players that can eventually play in a big league um, and represent even their home countries and then something like the WBC. So it's really going to be a, the start of baseball, huge baseball growth in all of that um, region in the Middle East and India. And what an amazing opportunity. like to learn from some of the best to ever do it. Like they're, they're introducing, there's no one better to introduce baseball to a new, completely new region than the line, the player pool they have. Oh yeah. No, it's going to be a ton of fun. I I think it's going to be a huge success. Likewise. So Sean, before we let you go, while we're on the topic, we've been on the topic of international baseball. Let's talk about your thoughts on an international draft and the implications that might have. Oh, interesting. So when you say international draft, are, are you're referring to like like prep players, like young players that would be drafted into MLB? Yes. Um, and just like what like my thoughts on what that would look like? Yeah, yep, absolutely. Um, I think there's been ideas thrown around by MLB about having that. I I mean, I'd like to see it. I would love to see an, an uh, international draft for MLB. I think the hard thing is that it would it's pretty it would be pretty conflicting with um, like the free the international free agent system um, it, because the international free agent system is so separate from the MLB draft that having a, a, a separate international draft would probably just replace a lot of the international free agency for those young players coming out of, I guess, primarily Latin America. But I mean, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd love to see it. I, I feel like it'd be an easy path for a lot of those players into an MLB system, um, into, into whatever org they get drafted to. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I like the deal. What about you? I, I love it. I personally love it. I don't, I can't talk too much about it like you can, but I personally love the idea. I think it's a great way. I don't know, man. It's just when you think about how much money teams are spending on these international free agents and how that money could be like reallocated throughout the game in a different way, if they had an international draft, mm-hmm. um, that had a certain like 
pool money like that. I don't know. It's just an it's an interesting topic. The I the part that it would be very interesting to me is like to figure out how they would find the player pool for an international draft because yeah. you have so many players that are completely unknown that all of a sudden become like they sign for the whatever minimum you can. I mean, Jose Altuve so signed for like fifteen thousand dollars, and mm-hmm. then he becomes one of the best players in Major League Baseball. Or I know this is another Astro, but Framber Valdez and ha- Christian Javier were both like relatively unknown when they got signed, um, and they they became two of the best pitchers on that team. So I don't know. It'd be interesting because if you have an international draft, you're going to draft the guys that are most scouted and most hyped. I guess you still allows for some, it depends on how many rounds there would be, but I wonder if guys like that would even get drafted at all. You know, you could also think about a guy like, um, Rosny Castillo got $72 million, played a handful of big league games. Yeah. You're so right. Yeah. That'd be, I don't know. It'd be really interesting, but I'd like to see it happen. That'd be cool. Yeah. Likewise. Well, Sean, before we let you go, where can people follow you on Twitter for everything WBC (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So my social, so my Twitter's primarily like, that's my primary social account. Uh, it's at Sean underscore Spradling on Twitter and Instagram. I actually just started an Instagram for baseball stuff, <laughs> not yep, just my personal Instagram. So, uh, also on TikTok at Sean Spradling, um, have my YouTube as well. I uh, haven't posted on there in a while, but hoping to get my podcast started back up again. So yeah, just look up Sean Spradling baseball or WBC and you'll probably find me. It's definitely WBC content, but also just general international baseball. All right, Sean. Well, thank you so much for being our second guest on Stat and we're looking forward to talking to you soon. Yeah, Liam. Thanks so much for having me. This was awesome. Stat, where the game's heartbeat never fades.